Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Justin, and we are back with episode 11 of the Survival of the Artist podcast. We are here today with God Over Money artist Dayton. What's up, Dayton? What's going on, Justin? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man, and I'm excited to talk to you. You are the second guy from GOM on this podcast, the first being Jared Sanders, your brother. Okay. And uh, I know you have a lot going on. You've been doing a lot of interviews lately. You have a new project. You have a label. We'll get into some of that stuff. Um, yep. But yeah, so so to, to start us off, in because in, you, you can say it the best, who are you, what do you do, and what would you say is your claim to fame as an artist? My name is Dayton. I represent God over money and the menace movement. Who am I as a person? I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I am a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching MC. Um, my ultimate goal is to make the name of Jesus famous and to glorify his name using the gift that he has given me. My claim to fame is just no cliche, the favor of God itself. I don't have this uh, this roadmap to direct other people to get here. It's just one of those organic, unexplained, his favor, his prompting, his doing, and then I wound up here. So, yeah. Nice, man. You, you came in with some heat there. Um, <laughs> you, you came in ready to go. Um, so how, how long did it take you to kind of, and I know you have a, like sort of a, a big background story and we'll break into that a little, but from where you're at right now, how long did it take you to get here? Okay. I would say, um, so after I surrendered my, my gift, uh, and maybe about 2008, no, no, about 2009, um, I had to sit it down. Um, I was working on an album called The Grand Entrance. It was highly anticipated in the underground. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the the uh, even with with labels, they were just waiting for me to serve them the music. Uh, even I had radio stations, major radio stations, Hot ninety seven and all yeah. that on deck, just anxious to hear what I was cooking up. I had some famous features on it, and. Um, Man, the Lord saved me. The content started to come out very Christian. I had a lot of those secular uh, connects back out. I even had a secular uh, website who was really buzzing, really doing their thing. And they were documenting the whole thing of me recording this wow. album. And uh, they backed out midway because everything was coming out Christian. Um, wow. Even though I didn't want it from, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So. Um, even though the, the content was very Christianese, very Christ centered, a lot of it, um, I still did not feel a peace. So mm -hmm. I fulfilled the contract with the studio. I backed out. Um, I probably took a break for about a year and, uh, maybe a little more, a little more than a year. And then, um, the very same people who agreed that I should sit it down was now, you know, like, yo man, you should. You should give this a shot. You should do this. You should do that. So um, the first, I started, I would always write, but I wouldn't put it out publicly. Um, my first time stepping out was actually, um, I started to write, I, I connected with T. Walla 
Um, yes. He's one of the first Christians I connected with, period. And and one of my first big bros. Um, I, I had my boy Lionel, I had Voss, and, and Walla was the third dude. So I kind of feel foul because I don't talk about that much because I'm always talking about the very beginning. Walla comes yeah. later. Uh, helps play a part in being a big bro, discipling, and then he starts producing for me. Um, he was producing for Fanatic of Cross Movement at the time. I started to write choruses. We were serving the beats. Um, I respect Cross Movement's integrity because they, I had nothing but battles on YouTube. So they were mm -hmm. like, oh, we're not using this. But um, Fanatic took a liking to me. I believe my first time stepping out was on a fanatic album um besides him using a little piece of one of my hooks he featured me on a bonus joint then afterwards uh was on bizzle ironically on bizzle's a messenger three mixtape um vosh made the connect with me and biz mm -hmm. and i featured with him so i was saying about 2011 then in 2012 i dropped my own project turn it off volume one and then you know going at it ever since yeah and it's funny you mentioned uh t wyla so i was in a3c uh this whole last week well last week with uh you know with rapzilla and t wyla was actually my roommate for the week for real yeah yeah and and uh you know i didn't actually know the connection you guys had and then you know he just started telling me you know spending a week with a guy um, you know, we're just talking about stuff and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I produced a lot for Dayton and, and the Raw album and, and you know, we, we just kept going on. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, you know, I just saw Dayton a couple weeks ago. You know, I've interviewed him before and, you know, I had no idea and I had never met T. Wyler before. I had only heard of him. So it was it was really cool. And then, you know, we were texting about stuff. And then I was like, hey, you know what? I was with T. Wyla. I'm texting with Dayton. Let's get him on the podcast because he would be perfect. So so it's come full circle in, in just two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, but T. T. Wyla is a amazing guy. And uh, just, he just speaks life into everybody around him. And I was calling him the mayor of A3C because it seemed like you know, he was just trying to make connections with everybody and introducing me to people and Chad to people. And he was just making crazy connects. So we were like, man, you, you know, you, you can make a career out of this. Just, just shaking hands with people. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, so yeah. And now I know that he was there from the beginning for you. And from the beginning, the very beginning. Yeah. And, and it, matter of fact, l let me say this. I would not, God uses, uh, you know, he, he uses people to get mm -hmm. you along to where he needs you. Um, and Walla was definitely the first and probably the most impactful on my ministry. He, he gave me a CD full of beats and that's how turn it off. Volume one was birthed. And then he played a very vital part of a, a, a key was a major key in the roar also. So, um, and then on my next album, he is also in that same role where he's handling the bulk of the production. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So, yeah. So now I know, uh, I know your backstory from the people, you know, who helped, who helped, uh, shape it. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, prior to that, what you said was 2008 when you changed your life. 
you know, how did you get into hip-hop before that? I know you were predominantly doing battle rapping. I know in previous interviews, uh, you know, that I've spoken to you, you, you kind of talked about, you know, getting inspired by by the wrestler coming up with the Triple D, and that was your tag. So, like, how did you actually get into to battling and, and realize, like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm good at this. Let's let's make music. Let's let's rap. Well, my, my dad was a, a disc jockey, a DJ who did gigs and all that stuff. So he would make his, his mixtapes, his tapes and sell them. Yeah. Um, and that was his thing. And when he would get requested to do hip hop tapes, excuse me, he would do them. And one day he did this uh, this gig in the projects. Uh, he took me with him. And right there on the set, he showed me how to mix records. So Cool. I yeah. got into mixing. I mean, not, I can't say got into mixing. I just knew how to mix. Mm-hmm. But it was more so me getting into, instead of the art of mixing and DJing, I just was turned out by right. hip-hop. Right, right. And I think for me, as a very, very, very young kid, like I'm talking about younger than my nephews right now, and they're nine, and you know what I'm saying? So I think the first song that turned me out was probably like Black Sheep. You could get with this, and you could oh, get with yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get with this, and I was super turned out after. So hip hop just became my life. Tribe Called Quest, um, Busta, just all of that, and then and then later on getting into Nas and mm-hmm. and ah, uh, it just hip hop just became my life. So I was the hip hop dude. I was the dude on the block. Always rapping, always with the Walkman in the book bag. Always, I was just a hip hop dude, consumed by music, and just you know, seeing my dad how he was with his music, and I, I come from a line of, of of musicians and people, just you know, talented people. So, um, yeah, he, my dad also had his own band, so that you know, that that's kind of implanted in you. Yeah, so, yeah. Long story short, man. Um, yeah, bro, I I, I started. Very early freestyling, maybe about 11, 12 years old, just for my friends on the block. I did not take it serious at all. We would even make little mixtapes. I got them to this day. They're hecka embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Everyone's got them, though. Yeah, yeah. I praise God that I still got them. I just need to find a working tape player to play them. <laughs> so this is how far back they go. And I'm like a baby rapping, bro. So, um, yeah, then... um. Then, then I go to high school, and in high school, um, battle rap was big. And I remember, you know, just being the dude that wouldn't rap outside of my my close friends on my block. We was a block gang, and um, I remember seeing this dude Slither was like the nicest dude in the school. And there was this prestigious battle called the Lyrical Combat in North New Jersey, and he was at high, in high school walking around with the trophy. It did something to me. I was like, man, I, I could do that. Like, and I remember catching Cat Cyphering in the gym and I told my man I could do that. He was like, go ahead. And I was like, nah, I backed out. Um, long story short, my man who would spit all these verses to me, he spits the slides his desk over to mine and he like, yo, listen to this verse. And he spit me the verse and I'm like, yo, that joint is fire. He, he like, I told him I rap too. He's like, let me hear something. I said, I, I only freestyle. He was like, nah, I want to hear a written. He said, go home, write a rhyme, come back tomorrow. You should write something. 
And I went home. I took the challenge. And that one little step was the biggest life-changing decision I ever made. I mean, even to my nephews being born because my sister's baby father's what was one of my old rap partners like stuff like that like we would not be living in florida right now if i did not choose to to write that rhyme that day i wrote that rhyme and uh i went back to school i spit it to dude and dude went bonkers he leaves the class because we had a substitute teacher he gets out I don't see him again. When we come out of out of the class, that class was by this dead end, and there's this hallway where nobody goes. And he freaking walks me into the hallway. I'm thinking, okay, did I diss this dude in the in the verse of Sonny about to jump me? Because the <laughs> hallway was cluttered with rappers, and one of them I even had beef with, like block beef. And he like, yo, spit your verse. And this is the first rhyme I ever wrote, but I was so confident. I didn't get nervous. I spit the verse. And when I saw them all go crazy and it was like a battle ready verse, I wrote. Right. Right. What, you know, I I had punchlines. It was already, I could have battled somebody with that verse because that's the type of stuff he was doing. He was a battle rapper. So I wanted to impress this dude. His name was dramatic and I wanted to impress dramatic. So I wrote what he'd be doing. And the punchline thing just came naturally to me because I was a fan of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I spit the verse, they all went bonkers. Immediately, me and that dude that ain't even like each other become like freaking super close. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's it. It was just an ego filler, man. I I I liked the attention, and that's what drove me. It wasn't fame, it wasn't fortune, it was it was attention of my peers, like the the respect. And eventually that dude walking around with the trophy was like you know what I'm saying? He's like the the, the last, the, the the final guy you fight at the, you know, the final stage of the yeah, video, yeah. the boss. And I, I made my way up to him and he ain't want no smoke. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted to run with me. We, we felt like and I ain't want no smoke either. The dude still to this day is playing one, probably one of the nicest dudes I ever heard in my life. We had this mutual respect for each other. So, I mean, it started there and it started with, with, Immediately jumping into to, to battles because I knew songwriting was always my thing. Like I would go home and write songs now. Like forget these little battle raps. I wrote choruses. I mm-hmm. wrote, and then I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I would bring it to old my, the old heads, the, the older heads, and they would be like, "Bruh, like your your hook is catchy." So I was the hook dude too. Like, oh, he got hooks. So, um. Yeah, and then and then I saw how battle rap though kind of would get you attention in a buzz, so I would kind of utilize it. I really ain't want to be no battle rapper, but I would utilize it to increase my buzz, and it definitely did. So it got me to Fight Club and One Hundred Six and Park and all that stuff. Wow, yeah, that's a crazy story. Um, do you do you remember that first verse? Oh, or that first song. Give me a sec. I remember it. I remember it's just. Mm. Oh, it may it may have profanity in it. I said, um, if you want to battle me, kid, then let's get on with it. The rhymes are spit are accurate to leave body segmented. Let me describe the mean, define the meaning of demented. It's deprived of reason and saying that explains the thoughts of my brain that I I can't contain. A sign I demolish your knowledge with demonic thoughts and action. 
Uh, I forgot. I ruptured the structure of Mother Nature and devastated by <laughs> causing earthquakes that separates the Earth's equator. So say them whack rhymes for later. The rugged rhymes and beats have you shaking as if you caught a seizure. This man wielding the mic would display a lyrical tempest. It's dating spitting pure dopeness. I'm ferocious. Ooh. It's villainous. MC with skills that's unearthly. I battle my adversaries and certain I lack morality and I forgot spit lyrics out of this certain trajectory that deliberately damage MC's periphery. Each line in my rhyme was designed to uh, each rhyme in my uh, I forgot I went. Each line in my rhyme was designed to blind all of mankind. I be the diabolical mastermind, hitting MCs with the strength of a thousand men. And each one of those men possessed the strength of another ten. It's dating which means the range artistic talents invading north. I'm so wicked. I stabbed the devil with his own pitchfork. Like, hey, so it was heck of demonic, heck of hardcore. And the next stuff got profanity. I'm just, I, I'm surprised that I can't remember new stuff. I'm surprised I even. Hey man, that, that was a, uh, the landmark moment of your life. So yeah, that joint changed everything. Bro. You know what? I, I threw it out there. And assuming I was just gonna get a, a yes or no answer, but my real hope was that you would start rapping it, and you you took it, you took you took the bait, and you did it, and it was it was fire. You got to you got to uh, you got to flip it and drop it on a on your next album. No way, no way, it's you, evil. But that whole thing when I said um, hitting them seas with the uh, hitting them seas with the strength of a thousand men, and each one of those men possessed the strength of another ten. And then when I said the the Stabbed the devil with his pitchfork. Everybody went nuts. Oh. So that's it. It was a high, and it kept me going. That's. I. I feel like I was there, just telling the story of just picturing you in in the hallway of the school. Yeah, um, extremely anorexic with heck of baggy clothes on. Yeah, that's that's when everyone was wearing the what the the triple X triple XL. Yeah, Je- jeans and shirts, and and people were like 150 pounds. Yeah, I was less than that. I was probably 100 pounds with size 38 waist jeans and double XT. So. Yeah, th- that was that was a good look in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the 90s, so. Or the 90s. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's funny that, I I think I said this the other day. In 10 years, people will just be wearing normal clothes. So in the 90s, early 2000s, everything was super big. Now everything's super tight. So maybe in 10 years, people are actually going to wear things that fit them. <laughs> we, we shall see. We shall see because baggy looks like it's coming back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Big top, small bottoms. That's that's what's, what's hype beast right now. You got a baggy t-shirt and back to extra large tees and super skinny jeans on. Yeah. And, and, you look homeless. But yeah, <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. That's, that's the look. It. Um, so, so you went through all that. Um, so what, what was happening, I guess, what was happening right before that moment in, in 2008 when you became a Christian? I know you were saying that you were getting lots of buzz, but like, where did the battling and where did that buzz, like, where did it come from that brought you to that moment where, where, you know, your life changed? Okay. So I wanted, I, so, and, and, all right. That lyrical combat that I spoke of when I seen Slither with the trophy. Yeah. Um, I went on to win next year. So that was like a goal of mine. Like, okay, this is the highest I can get. I need to win this. I went and I won. So then that next day, 
right? There's this organization. It's the New York's longest open mic. It still runs to this very day. Everybody got their start there. I think Young and May came through there. We talking about Immortal Technique, Poison Pen, mm-hmm. Iron Solomon, Swave Sever, all these battle rappers. Jin, everybody, Pumpkinhead. Um, so it was called. It's it was called the uh, EOW. EOW. Yep, I've I've been there. End of the week. Okay. So I take after I win lyrical combat, my my man dramatic takes me to New York, and we go to BB King's. And they're holding this, uh, they do a thing called the MC Challenge. They they throw about six a year. And, uh, well, it's like a season. Six, they pick all the champions. And at the end of the year, they get a big venue and do the Challenge of Champions. I went to the Challenge of Champions and you got Pumpkinhead, Breeze Everflow. You got uh, uh, Iron Solomon, Jin. Uh, um, Jin had just won 106 in Park. I'm just like, bro, like, legends are there the the, mm-hmm. the the host is 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 big zoo and big zoo was champion on this uh mtv used to have direct effect where they did this battle and and so was breeze ever flowing and i'm looking at all these guys i see in the blaze magazines and all that they're freaking in this competition i'm over here with my lyrical combat champion shirt and i felt like a bump like oh um, <laughs> this is this is nothing i gotta get there right mm. The very next year, I found myself in the Challenger Champions because I won an MC Challenge and I won the Challenger Champions. So I I seen it and made it a go. I didn't even really was I wasn't intentional about getting the EO Dub. I was just with a friend and he like, yo, right. we're going to, to this this open mic in New York. It's called EO Dub. I'm like, oh, I heard of it. I go, I rap like 16 bars and the folks go crazy and they automatically put my hat in this MC Challenge thing. Um, like they made it a point to shut the beat off and take the microphone from me and like, oh, who want to see? What's your name, Dayton? Who want to see Dayton in the MC Challenge? Oh, like so. Um, I um I ended up winning the next MC Challenge. That thing opened up massive doors. Yeah, um, but what really opened the doors was um 106 and Park. Mm. That was everything. And fun fact, I found out how to get on 106 and Park by Jen. I didn't know Jen. Um, I didn't, at this point, I still didn't see Jen at, um, at the MC Challenge. Matter of fact, you know what? No, I'm, I'm messing up. Jen was there. He didn't compete because he just got to deal with Rough Riders and they didn't let him. So okay. that's, what it, that's what it was. All right. So prior to that, I run into Jen. And I don't know who he is. Is this this short Asian cat walks up to me and puts a CD in my hands? Here, you like hip hop? Hold this. I grab it. Then he hits me with the sales pitch, and he tells me, "Yo, um, man, my name is Jen. I'm a battle rapper, and this is all my battles, like audio of his battles." I'm like, "Man, kick rocks." You know what I'm saying? Let <laughs> me like, get out of here. And I ain't tell him that, but in my mind, and then he says in his sales pitch, "I'm gonna be on 106 and Park next week." Boop. Everything stops. I'm like, how you got on? He told me. He sat there and gave me all the directions on how to get on. I took and I bought a CD for doing that. I lit. I go home and I'm like, I'm gonna hear this. He's probably gonna suck. And I listened and he was phenomenal. Yeah. So I was like, yo, I made it a point 
to watch 106 in Park when that Friday came and was telling all my dudes, like, bro, this this Chinese cat is fire, son, watch. <laughs> and yeah, and then he made history. So um sometime after, I'm this young dude. Um, I followed his his uh his directions, I got on, and I became 106 in Park Freestyle Friday champion. Uh if you film it on Tuesdays, it airs Friday. I, we did this big old get together in my house and we I'm watching it for the first time. Like my friends are, I was there. I know I won, but now we all watching it. We going freaking crazy. Oh, we excited. My neighbors, everybody on the block. Just, I freaking get a knock on the door. I open the door. There's people outside. Yo, we just saw you on 106. So, um, <laughs> then my phone rings and I get this call from, um, from a friend who was dealing with Quincy Jones' nephew, and they worked for Columbia Records. They were A&Rs. And he was watching my battle with Quincy Jones. Wow. And, and they said, get this dude over here now. So I end up jumping in the shower, changing. I'm overwhelmed with joy. I'm like, I'm freaking in this position that millions of other kids want to be in. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I'm, I end up in a mansion in Alpine, New Jersey with, with like Quincy Jones, one of his mansions. And uh, yeah, with his, his nephews and, and bro, they wanted to sign me. That was the first major label. Then it went from that to, to dealing with Shady Records through Riggs Morales because I ended up in Fight Club. Um, and then battling at Fight Club, there was a whole bunch of different labels there scouting. But, you know, at the time, M and 50 was popping. And I was, like, very picky. Like, man. And I was so full of myself that when Def Jam, mm-hmm. I had my meeting with Def Jam immediately after 106 and Park. I had, I was just like, nah, I'll use y'all to make Shady feel an urgency to sign. Uh, you know Def Jam is interested. Right. No Columbia is interested, so y'all better step it up. And then, you know, I would mess with them dudes too and say, you know Shady's interested, so then they start talking more numbers. But uh yeah, man, that's that's uh I think the one oh six in park really took it over the top. So what was this like oh five, oh six maybe? Oh uh, maybe oh six think or oh five? Yeah. Yeah, I think oh five. Okay. Uh yeah. yeah. So that's that's crazy, man. You could have you could have woulda shoulda, right? Or not shoulda cuz now you're nah, in, now you're in your own purpose. Yeah, no regrets. I man, I had through it all. What I'm leaving out is of course when you set a goal for yourself and you pursue it and you do it. There there's there's a a, a temporary fulfillment. But through it all, I knew I'm talking about even trace it back to the beginning of when I first started writing rhymes. I would say blasphemous things. It's like I did horrorcore. Like I always spoke of God and the devil. I'm a demon and I'm a, a killer angel or I'm a God soldier and weird right. stuff. Right. Right. And I would get major headaches writing that. Like I knew the Lord was displeased and I had no relationship with him, but I would, I would, Correlate that joint directly to is like, yo, this is God telling me I shouldn't do this. This is evil. Yeah. But push through it. Ignore my conviction. Sear my conscience and, and push through it. So, but 
the more I tried, the louder he got, especially after watching The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I didn't know any of that about you. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely glad I asked. I don't know if, you, if you've spoken about it often. Maybe I just haven't seen it. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's crazy. Um, so now moving forward, and I know you said kind of after you became a Christian, you wound up doing a song with Bizzle. So how did you get involved with God Over Money? So uh, we did that song, um, you know, was like that. that was, my interaction was bit with Biz was hecka awkward and weird. And, we, you know, it was through it was through um, through uh, Lavoisier. After we did the song, it was just like, you know, lightweight, you know, like we would interact on Twitter, but we weren't BFFs. Right. And um, one day I had already moved to Orlando, Florida. Um, and one day he was coming out here and said, he need, he just tweeted, hey, anybody out in Orlando to give me a ride to my hotel? I was like, hey, bro, I'm out here. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick y'all up. I picked him and his wife up, and, and she was pregnant, um, I believe, with their second son. Mm. This is the first time I meet him. Immediately he hikes because he's hecka taller than me. And, <laughs> and, and it, it was cool. <laughs> I'm laughing because you got to understand, like, this is my freaking brother right now. Like, being biz is like, you know what I'm saying? We're yeah, you, you guys just cool. did a whole big tour with each other. Wow, and, had to, and had to be stuck with each other the whole summer. And he was my, <laughs> my roommate. So it's like, we, we <laughs> that's, I love him to death, man. He's one of my closest friends, bro. So anyways, um, this is the first time I meet him. Um, and... Because of that, he tells me, yo, oh, I was trying to reach out to him to get him on a record. And on my record, I was working on. And he was just egging the, the texts and, and, the, and the, the, the tweets. So I was just like, I mean, the DMs. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to bother him. You know what I'm saying? Bump it. Then when I pick him up and drop him off, he turns around but when he's walking to the hotel. Like, yo, man, send me the record. Let's do that. So, all right. So I got <laughs> him on fire in my heart. Um. How me and him connected, man. It's a long story, man. But God is just sovereign. Um, I meet Grateful Ray in 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 um through a friend that was in Florida, that from Jersey, and then I went up to the Kingdom Choice Awards. Um, uh, my friend had reached out to Ray. I don't know for I guess to print up some shirts at the time, and I don't know how the heck they connected. Ray just tells me, and Ray, who's also one of my best friends, tells me. Um, I mean, tells he, Ray tells me that he just did it to kind of like force himself to break out of awkwardness because he could be reclusive. So he's like, yo, man, I'm just going to get up with these cats. <laughs> he reaches out to Ray. Ray shows up. Ray, uh, uh, Voss comes through. So now me, Ray, and Voss and my man Ed make this connection. And I give Ray my CD, Turn It Off Volume 1. I go back home. Ray calls me. He's like, yo. This joint is dope. Like you, you nice. Oh, thank you. Ain't like, <laughs> nah, but like you really, really nice. Like I be getting mad CDs and they just be trash. Like this is fire. I'm like, thank you. He like, you need to shoot this video for Fire in My Heart with Bizzle and, and Voss. I said, yeah, I right now I ain't got the funds to fly up there and and blah 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 blah. He said, look, 
give me a second. Hangs up, calls Biz, because him and Biz was about to connect for the first time also. I think, I believe they spoke on the phone about, you know, uh, printing up the GOM clothing. Yeah. But they were going to connect in person. So, um, yeah, I, uh, this dude Ray flies me out of his own pocket. Wow. Flies me up there. And I scramble to look for a, a video dude. I find my poor friend who is only a photographer. I'm like, what, your camera can take videos? You shoot this music video. <laughs> so I forced this dude to do my <laughs> music video and I'm putting him in front of Bizzle. So long story short, the video never came out. <laughs> There's a clip, a small clip on Instagram, like the video that never saw the light of day. But in that time, we made a connection. Um, Biz and I, and that's yeah, dope. Yeah, I had reached out about a song that that he had put out where the quality wasn't so good, and I told him let me connect him to an engineer, and then somehow now I was his new ear. He was sending me stuff. What you think about this mix? What you think about this? What you think about that? And then it turned into I'm like, yo, bro, you should let me A and R for the label. He like, yo, I was praying about that. I was gonna ask you. I'm like, I'm with it. And that's how that started. And um, that's how me and Biz connected, bro. Wow. Yeah, I feel like every, and I'm sure you know this, but like every step in your life was kind of ordained perfectly to bring you to where you're at. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Like no mistakes, no accidents. Everything was supposed to happen the way it, the way it does, even, even from a failed music video. Yeah, yeah, I, I see all of that. See, the, the thing is, the Lord works all things for the good of those who love him. I know for a fact, just that I was not supposed to be in Orlando, Florida. I mean, I'm here now, and he's going to work it out, but I wasn't supposed to marry my ex-wife. I right. was not. I, I, I fought and fought against his conviction and every sign because I wanted what I wanted. I wanted to sanctify my habits. I just wanted bad chicks. And now I was saved. I thought she was bad. I wanted to smash. So, and sanctify <laughs> that joint. So I was just like, I'm going to marry her. So I'm not sinning. But I was sinning, disobeying, trying to pursue her. And, um, you know, you know where Helen, that's where Helen Hallway was birthed. But anyways. All right. So you, so you went there. Uh, it was, uh, I was saving this for, for last. So I guess since you mentioned it, talk about Helen the Hallway and, and that project. So Helena Hallway was spawned and birthed because uh, this may really uh, in the midst of me hurting because my marriage was failing and I did not know why. Um, my my ex-wife was my wife at the time. I thought we were doing good because um, the beginning of my marriage was absolute hell, um, of course, because it wasn't ordained by God. And I'm with somebody who's not pursuing the Lord, who's who's. Uh, who's colder than lukewarm and and i don't mean that in a, in a slanderous way but just you know giving you context yeah yeah so I, I made i made this poor choice um but uh somewhere around the three-year mark things start changing things start actually they're not good they're not perfect there's still some major issues you know that we needed to get to the root of, but she wouldn't because she refused counseling because counseling means rebuking and correction. And she just wanted to do what she wanted to do. So, um, she, um, she just switches up. 
and I'm trying to fight for my marriage. So I got to a point where I knew in my heart of hearts, like, yo, there has to be someone else. I couldn't prove it. I couldn't find them. Um, that's because it was all on the phone. A post. I'm looking for an actual person. You feel me? Yeah. So I knew it. I had this feeling, even though I fought to the very end that it wasn't going to work. They're like, this was over. There's no turning back from this. And there's no signs of any repentance, any desire. Even the reasoning behind what I was being told was just stupid. Oh, because of this, because of that, because of like, what? What the heck are you talking about? Like, you front, it just didn't sound real. Like, yo, you, there's got to be somebody else. But anyway, so, um, I sat down at my dining room table while I was still living with her and I wrote Hell in the Hallway, the song. Um, it's the, the, the second track on the album. And, um, yeah, it, it it was birthed from from that pain. And then I wrote Panic, my verse, because it was giving me panic attacks. I was stressed out trying to figure mm-hmm. out what the heck's going on. Then, um, you know, uh, I was already sitting on records like Lip, Lip Strip Honey. Um, you know, I, I uh, fun fact that I probably I probably shouldn't even t- say this because it'll mess up people's perception of the record. But Peeling the Scab, one of the most popular records on the album. Yeah. I wrote that <laughs> back in the, from a breakup mad years ago before I was saved. Wow. Yeah, I wrote those lyrics. And it, was and it worked. Beat, and, and I was like mad. I'm talking about over 10 years ago, bro. So, um, of course, the song never saw the light of day. Um, just on my MySpace page. And then um, I was thinking like, yo, I I wanted to re-rap Peeling the Scab for me, for me. Like, I wanted to, it helped me. Hell in the Hallway helped me. Then um, Panic helped me. <clears throat> then, um, you know, things got worse. I decided to move out to give her space, hoping that absence will make the heart grow fonder. And then I wrote Job Season, the first verse, reporting live from my mother's house. Matter of fact, it's just an apartment, small bedroom where my mattress sits on the carpet. I'm talking about where I was at. Right. And I didn't want to release this stuff. I was working on a new art. And yeah, which I, yeah. I feel like I'm making an album for, for me. I feel like if this thing ain't a classic, I'm jumping off a bridge. Like that's how I'm putting my heart and soul into the new art. And then I start writing stuff and it's coming out too easy and it's helping me. And then I start to feel this prompting that you got to put this out. It's going to help other people too. And I'm probably. Like, oh, I don't want to put this out, man. Like I, I know her. She's very hostile. She's not, cool she's gonna riff she's gonna fight i'm gonna lose my relationship with my stepdaughter and i wanted to be in in her her life i raised her so i'm like but i felt the prompt the strong prompting of the lord and after counsel and it's just he wanted me to do it and this is like man when i released hell in the hallway 
um, I went and recorded on the same day. CHH ain't dead and hell in the hallway. Hell in the hallway was for me. CHH oh, wow. ain't dead was just a, a loose single. And I would keep listening to hell in the hallway and being like, man, I played it for a friend who just got divorced and he is a gangster. He's not even serving God. And he was in tears. So I'm like, man, I think I'm supposed to drop this, man. And I hit Biz and I'm like, yo, dude, I'm doing an EP called Hell in the Hallway. And he like, nah, you can't do that. You got to drop the new arc. You, you promised them on the Menace mixtape. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, but I'm telling you, man, I got to be obedient. I feel it. So that's how I was birthed. And I can totally see why. I totally see why God would have me do this. Yeah, it's it. I remember. I don't know if you were saying it um, when I saw you in Queens or not, um, or you might have said it on the Wado interview. It's like, how do you go and now perform these songs too? Because it's like, you know, people go to a concert. They want to be turned up. They want to like vibe. They want to jam. But then you know, you're you're gonna perform songs that are like bearing your soul, and that are probably gonna make other people feel a certain way too. So. Yeah. Uh, have you figured that out yet, or is that something you're still working on? Still working on, still working on. Um, initially, the goal was, bro, to we were doing this, uh, we were doing this, uh, like a, a monthly release thing. Yeah. So I kind of was like, I'm just gonna release this heck of fast. You feel me? Like mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be one of those monthly projects on GOM and then, you know, keep it moving. Um, but God was like, no, turn this joint to an album, push this thing. Um, so I initially had no plans of, of performing, of making any performance based songs. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It was just kind of like a, almost a diary or a journal yeah, that you were keeping. Yeah. And then it's, it, it turned into this thing, and now and I'm like, okay, I'll just do this, and I'm not going to tour this thing. But it seems like people are asking. I mean, not enough yet, but enough where I'm yeah. starting with the ideal. So I'm considering. I'm considering. Okay. And, and let me just say off the record that – well, not off of your record, not off the record for the interview, but that, um, that Shook Ones joint that you, that you flipped – is it yeah. with Jared with Jared and uh forgot who else? Yo, as as a New Yorker, the second I heard you open up in that track, I was like, yo, he's doing it. He's doing something with Shook Ones, and I was so excited. Yeah, man. We uh we we uh initially I had the uh, the sample, the original sample. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I gotta get this. I, I purchased the beat off Dave D and then was like, can't use this. And I wrote what was I was dealing with. You're, you're, I'm, yeah. I'm a single man. You know, it's hard to flip that switch off. And the devil right. be like, no. Why don't you call Shorty up? Why don't you smoke this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm wrestling. My spirit is wrestling against this flesh. So I should say his spirit is wrestling against this flesh. So yeah. that that's what I was like. What would I talk about this joint? Like the flesh telling me ain't no such thing as halfway crooks, bro. Like give in, basically. Come out to play, yeah. yeah. Oh my, so yeah, I wrote it and I had the the X the sample out and you know switch it up. But yeah, I'm glad people got it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a dope flip. So, uh, 
moving on from that now, and this is what I was originally going to ask you. Um, so you have your menace movement now, and yep. you just announced Stefanato as your yep. first artist. So, so what's the plan with the menace movement? Like, is this is this a full label that you're transitioning to? Is it a collective, kind of like what Indie Tribe does? Like, I guess talk talk a little bit about menace movement. It is a full label, L- an LLC. It is a record ah, label. I am. Uh, he's got the receipts. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's official contracts. It is a label. Um, Stefanato is this dude that I met out in Orlando, Florida. We used to go to the same church. We actually got connected through DJ Moore, who featured us both on the song with Propaganda for an album that will never see the light of day. Darn you, Morph. Anyways. Um, I feel like this happens a lot to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a fire song with me, Stefanato, and Propaganda. Produced by T. Wild. So, um, <laughs> we do this joint, and uh, he tells me, oh, I'll put my man Stefanato on the song. And I was pissed, because I wrote the hook and all that. And I'm like, man, what you got this freaking, who's this new dude I never heard of? You should have got somebody else with a buzz. I listen, and I'm like, oh, this dude bodied it. So <laughs> I, I was highly impressed. I go to church. I'm in church. And and this dude texts me more. Like, yo, you go to church with my man Stefanato. And I didn't I never forgot his name. So I'm like, yeah. So now I'm I'm new in this home church and I'm looking around like who the heck could be Stefanato? And it's this Joe Button looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, bruh, oh, that's him. We connect, we talk. And man, his reputation out here is A1. Like, he's such a solid stand-up dude. And then he's dope as heck, too. Um, and then I'm I would see how dope he was and what the heck was his music was doing. And I'm like, crap, man, how could I help this dude? This dude is ill. Like, he just needs the chance. And it would always that thought would resurface. So I featured him on the roar, helping, hoping, you know, help him with a buzz. Then, you know, I, I tried to do whatever I could. And then I, I really got the vision for a label for based off of wanting to help Stefanato and my man SOS. But my man SOS and I, we, we, uh, that's still my brother. I'm still helping him, but, but I'm helping him more so to do his own thing. He's not going to sign with us. So, but it, it started with them, too. I'm like, yo, I should just, God gave me this platform. Maybe I'll start this label and start, you know, um, sign these cats. But that's why I had them all over the Menace mixtape. I made mm-hmm. the Menace mixtape to kind of prep people for the, the branding and to really showcase SOS and, and Stefanato. So that's why they're right. all over that thing. And then I already knew. Steph was a little more like a, of a guarantee to sign because I saw what S was doing on his own and how much he was investing financially into his own project. I was like, I would feel bad signing this guy and putting out this music, taking any percentages when I could just point him in the right direction. Right, so right. He had more more stuff going for him uh, financially and, and as far as being productive than Steph, was, Steph did. So... You know, I think Steph is on like six joints on the Menace mixtape. So I really did that to to showcase them so people could see them. And, and um, yeah, so now it's a label. He signed. He's my first artist. 
He's phenomenal. We've been working on his first album. We just put out an EP two days ago for free so people can get a taste of what he, he's doing. And yeah, man. What's it called for the people listening? For the, for the Love. For the Love. And it is available for free at themenacemovement.com. Awesome. So obviously, you know, him being your first artist, you're going to work with him a while and push him a while to make sure that that's successful before you, you know, you start branching out for other artists, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I got to get that formula down. So how is it, are you going to be partnering with GOM at all? Or is this, you know, completely separate and your music stays with GOM? You know, what's, what's that looking like? My music stays with GOM. I'm 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 the equivalent to, you know, Eminem. Well, now you look on the back of the CD, it'll say Shady Records too. But right, Eminem was not signed to Shady Records. He just started Shady Records. He's on Aftermath. You feel me? So, so I'm a GOM artist. Uh, I cannot reap the benefits of my distribution. My distribution is solely for my artists. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, you've you kind of touched on this a little, but what would you say thus far in your career has been your your biggest success or moment when you kind of just looked out and you were like, wow, you know, this is it. I'm doing it. <laughs> it just happened like maybe two weeks ago or no, the day awesome. before I saw you in Philly. Um, we I went around the back of the venue, a huge church, huge venue. And. Um, to get my merch. And I didn't know that the line was forming in the front of the church. And there was this ministry. Um, they obviously were all together. They had the same t-shirts and it was like about 30 women and 10 guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm probably exaggerating on the 30 women, but it, it looked like a freaking parade. Like they were super deep and they're all, they got about that blasting from a car and each and every single person is rapping it word for word in this huddle. Like, if this is something they do. They add dance routines to it and all that. You need a man up and let them know, let them know. I'm watching all of them. They don't see me. So I immediately go, okay, I can't go over there. Like, it's going to be pandemonium. So I'm telling my friend, okay, yo, yo, could you could you do me a favor? Get my, my, my merch out the truck. I can't go over there. And then, <laughs> As I'm saying this, I feel like God, I heard God clear as they say, no, go in the middle of the circle. So I'm telling him, as I'm telling him, man, I can't go over it. I just dart out and just run to the middle of the circle. And they don't see me coming. They're freaking rapping my song. And then I jump in the middle and they go nuts. Like, ah! and I'm rapping it with them. They all break out their camera phones. And it was just a blessing for them. It was a blessing for me. It was super fun. And, and um, I think that was just, for me, one of the dopest little moments. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, got to give you the alley-oop for you. A little thing to, not to yeah. catch your ego, but that feel good. That was like, wow, this is this is awesome. This is awesome. Um, I felt like that, that was a dope moment. Also, when the roar dropped. I had zero expectation, and to see it go up to number four on iTunes and uh, during the week where heavy hitters were dropping and for it to chart on Billboard and all that, yeah. that was a big moment for me too. Yeah, amazing. Now, now you kind of spoke about this a little bit, but what 
What about on the flip side? Was there one moment where you had, and I know you say you don't have any regrets, but like that you feel like has a, been a big failure on your behalf so far, I guess at this point of your, of your Christian hip hop career? Oh, no, man. No. Um, I, I mean, I got small regrets. I think I should have did a video to I Won't Bow. Um, that song is, is definitely up there in streams and I didn't give it a music video. It probably would have took off. Um, I regret not giving, uh, hallelujah all day, a better music video. We were in a rush, but it worked, you know, mm-hmm. so I, on its way to 800,000 views on YouTube. Nice. Um, I think it did a mill on Facebook. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's about it. Everything else is nah. I hate that I had to write hell in the hallway. Not that I, I regret right. no, my I get marriage it. falling apart because honestly I'm happier than I've ever been. Um but <laughs> but I hate that I had to write that. I hate that I you know, I hate that it had to go down like that. Um, but I don't regret it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, it's good that uh you don't have that one particular moment where you just have little small moments that are kind of like I guess for the music videos kind of inconsequential like it's not like oh I had this you know this devastating you know moment um so that's that's good um and real quick I wanted to ask I don't know if you can make this real quick I think you can I believe in you um you're someone who isn't afraid to to speak up about a lot of issues um and for a lot of artists that could be dangerous to them or to their brand but you always seem to make it out alive um so for you do do you feel like obligated that when you when you see something you kind of have to say something about it oh 100% yes i do i do feel obligated i feel like that's what he called me to to step up and do um so yeah i do feel obligated if it bothers if I feel that strongly about it, um, I'll do so. Like I'll catch all fades, take all smoke. Like it's whatever he say, I'm gonna do it. So um, there's times when I want to take and take all fades and catch smoke, and then he tell me shut up and sit down. Um, and I'll be like, okay, you know. You always make it though. Yeah, <laughs> you always make it. Uh, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of troublemaker in me. I need to. <laughs> well, it's because you're a battle rapper at heart. So I, I see those battles on Twitter at, at least once a week. And I'm like, dang, they're coming for him again. But he's got it. You yeah. always get it. Yeah. Um, so my my final my final question, and this is to sum up everything. What would you say is the key for the survival of an artist in 2018 and actually now going into 2019 very shortly? Oh, learn this streaming thing. I'm trying to figure it out. I ain't got the answers, but <laughs> the, this streaming thing is killing us. If there was no streaming, I would be wealthy right now, bro. I'd be wealthy. But now I got a truck that hardly works, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still in the same place that I spoke about in Job season. So it's like, you know, it's rough. It's rough. Ain't no money in this thing. Um, I don't do it for money, but it would... It would free me up a lot to do more ministry-wise if I had the bread, you feel me? Yeah. No, I get it. And I mean, 
But the, the good thing about when, when, you, when you're serving and you feel like you're in your calling, you know, you're, you're there. So you're going to keep going on with it. And I, I'm assuming, you know, that's a great feeling just because it's like God keeps providing for you at every corner. Amen. Uh, regardless if that huge check or, you know, is there or not, which, you know, it still could come one day. You might get a, you know, it could come. And now you have your own label. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Just adding more to the plate. You throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and you, you hope something sticks. Amen. Amen. But, but that's it, man. Thank you. You've, you've run the gauntlet. We've kept it just under an hour. Um, you can, you can now go eat a very late dinner, but I appreciate you. I appreciate your story and your willingness to always, you know, get personal and, and share a lot of, you know, everything you're pretty much, pretty much nothing is off limits, which makes you the perfect interview. Uh, it gets you, it gets you in trouble, but it makes all of us have good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate you, man. And that was Dayton. Always keeping it real. Always keeping it raw. He's got that Northeast hip-hop Latino in him. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Anyway, so yeah, check out Hell in the Hallway, his new album. Check out Stefanato's new project on the Menace Movement. And again, shout out to Dayton and God Over Money and everything he's got going on. Uh, I have a Patreon that I am getting ready to launch it may or may not be ready for this episode. I've been kind of procrastinating on it, but uh, I want to bring a lot of new and cool content and getting some little bit of funding, much like Dayton was just speaking about. Having funding will allow him to do more and free up more. I want to bring more stories, more artists, more angles, different shows. Um, so whatever you guys feel led to give, whether it be a dollar or whether it hopefully be a lot more than a dollar, Um, we can make something special happen. So anyway, this has been episode 11 of Survival of the Artist. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin Sarachik, S-A-R-A-C-H-I-K. And yeah, let's connect, let's link up, and uh, check out Rapzilla if you want to see my stories, because I am busy as heck working on that. So, uh, all right, till next time, episode 12 is coming into the future. Peace.